0: You're listening to an event from the U.S. Institute of Peace, part of the USIP Podcast Network. For more information about our work around the world, visit usip.org and check us out on social media. We're very pleased to welcome everyone to a very special conversation on a very important upcoming ASEAN Summit, being hosted here in Washington, D.C., starting tomorrow. My name is Lise Grande, and I am the President of the United States Institute of Peace, which was established by Congress in 1984 as a national, nonpartisan public institution dedicated to helping prevent, mitigate, and resolve violent conflict abroad. We are honored this morning to welcome Dr. Kirk Campbell the National Security Council Coordinator for Indo-Pacific Affairs to give all of us a sense of what will be discussed at the summit and what is at stake as leaders from 10 Southeast Asian countries come together to reflect on developments in one of the most important regions in the world. Dr. Campbell has served as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for East Asia and as Secretary as Assistant Secretary of State for East Asian and Pacific Affairs. Outside of government, Dr. Campbell founded and served as CEO of the Center for New American Security and the Asia Group. Dr. Campbell, you're very welcome. We're also honored to welcome Dr. Evan Medeiros, who is moderating today's discussion. Dr. Medeiros is Professor and Penner Family Chair in Asia Studies at Georgetown University's School of Foreign Service. Dr. Madero served on the staff of the National Security Council for six years as the Director for China, Taiwan, and Mongolia, and later as the Special Assistant to the President and Senior Director for Asia. Evan is an accomplished author, world-recognized expert, and a senior advisor here at USIP. For those of you who are tuning in around the globe, we encourage you to join the conversation by submitting questions through the event page on USIP's website, or by joining the conversation on social media using the hashtag AsianUSIP. Evan, the floor is yours.
1: Lise, thank you very much. Kurt, good morning, thank you for joining us. It's a real honor and distinct pleasure for us to have you uh, here at USIP in advance of the US ASEAN Summit. Um, uh, One small piece of business before we begin. Uh, For those of you in the audience and for those of you online, you should know the audience is just absolutely jam-packed. People are hanging from the rafters (laughs) and I hope nobody falls down up there. Um, so, for those of you in the packed audience today, uh, please write your questions on a note card and they'll be collected uh, and we'll have a Q&A period. And then for those of you that are online, um, uh, please, uh, let's see, direct your questions to the chat box on the event webpage. Uh, Kurt and I are gonna talk for about 20, 30 minutes or so and then we're gonna open it up for uh, Q&A and we, we look forward to your um, uh, questions in your comments on the discussion. Uh, Kurt, it's a, a great pleasure to see you again. For the sake of transparency, for everybody in the audience, uh, Kurt and I are old friends. Uh, we're colleagues. We've worked together on Asia in and out of government for almost 20 years now. Um, but he made me promise that I wouldn't give him a softball interview. I said, no, Kurt. And he's like, no, no, Evan, you have to ask the hard questions because that's what we do in the Biden administration. So just, just so everybody in the audience I knows. I don't,
2: re- I don't remember all of that part. Literally, so.
1: <laughs> um, Kurt, r- great to see you. L- let me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open with a with softball. Mm-hmm. Would you set the stage for us? Where are we? in the broad arc of biden's asia strategy may looks like it's going to be a big month a lot of activities going on i think you and your team are due a lot of credit for everything uh, that's been planned for may uh, but of course uh, that sequence kicks off with the u.s asean summit so set the stage for us where are we in the arc of biden's asia policy and how does the u.s asean summit fit in
2: great um, let me also say thank you to Lee and to the team here at USIP. I follow the work and we were just talking about the new working group that USIP has set up on the Pacific Islands. We're uh, pleased with that and it's always a pleasure uh, to be with you Evan and grateful for the service that Steve Hadley plays uh, here at USIP. So um, appreciate Evan's sort of opening question and and just to give you guys a a set the scene for for what's to come. So obviously we're engaged in incredibly intense period uh, a critical period with respect to what's playing out in, Ucr- in ukraine that obviously is animating for uh the president for his senior team uh enormous uh consultation engagement with transatlantic uh, allies and partners but increasingly with pacific partners into pacific partners who are following and engaged deeply in the outcomes of What we're seeing on the battlefield in Ukraine. But at the same time that I think that the administration and others are deeply committed in sort of the daily uh, uh, developments on this tragic set of circumstances in the eastern part of Ukraine. At the same time, I think we all recognize that the larger uh strategic challenges that are going to play out, Evan, are going to play out in the Indo-Pacific region. And I think there has been a sense that in previous administrations that we had set off with a determined pace to focus on East Asia or in the Indo-Pacific and then find ourselves with other pressing uh, uh, challenges that perhaps draw us away a little bit. Uh, I think there is a a deep sense uh, that that can't happen again. And so what we have is a purposeful set of... uh, initiatives uh, that are likely to play out over the coming uh, month or so. And so I'll just give you a sense of of what to expect. First in, uh, really not starting tomorrow, but right now. So we have all the ASEAN leaders uh, in town. So a number of uh, preparations. Uh, This is a special summit. We've never had a summit between the United States and ASEAN in Washington uh, DC before. Uh, it was uh, Evan who conceived and convened the last summit in the United States at Sunnyland. So he has a sense of what's involved in terms of the kinds of planning, literally you no- You mean the
1: pure professional <laughs> joy involved in planning
2: a summit with
1: 10 leaders, is I that what you're talking about Put it this about, way,
2: we're, we're pretty tired and so, you know, there's no detail too small, lots of things to focus on. So grateful for an opportunity to engage all of you right now. So. And that's gonna take place over two days and it's multifaceted it's meant to demonstrate. One of the things that we are uh, attempting to do, in the past, ASEAN Relations was managed or engaged with deeply committed professionals, generally a small group at the Department of State, USAID, uh, perhaps a few other agencies. What we've tried to do in this set of meetings is broaden uh, to the entirety of the US government. So every major official is involved in uh, uh, events and engagements from the President on down, Vice President, Secretary of State, all the key players in substantial, um, uh, uh, sustained uh, dialogue and conversation with ASEAN friends. We'll also have a big business event. I think part of what we are seeking is to create modalities and uh, opportunities for more investment and engagement uh, from the United States into ASEAN uh, and obviously uh, there will be a visit uh, to Capitol Hill so that they understand uh, uh, a little bit more about other key players. For for years one of the dominant institutions uh, really that drove uh, policy in Southeast Asia was the legislative branch. So it's an important visit um, and I think we're very pleased at how, uh, uh, how much uh, uh engagement there has been across uh the u.s government and i think you will see uh evan a number of initiatives that will put on display clearly the arenas that we want to um, step up in terms of our engagement with ASEAN. more education initiatives more focus on climate related issues uh, some infrastructure work I think we're going to seek conversations on some of the pressing contemporary challenges in Asia. We'll talk about Burma. We'll talk about uh, China. uh, We'll talk about how uh, developments in Ukraine impact the Indo-Pacific. So this is really two intense days of dialogue and consultation, and uh, we'll also brief on IPEF, a variety of other uh, uh, the, the Indo-Pacific, Indo-Pacific economic, economic Framework. framework. Sorry, I, should, I shouldn't use that acronym. Just so, trips off the so tongue. It, it really does. It's just, it's... <laughs> so, um, and then, and then uh, next week, uh, the president uh, in midweek will leave for um, uh, high-level visits in both South Korea and Japan to meet the new South Korean president who was just inaugurated, uh, and also uh, close partner, uh, Prime Minister Kishida. Engagements uh, uh, bilaterally on the trade front, uh, and also uh, have a chance to host. Or the Kashida and the United States uh, will meet for the Quad, and in which we'll roll out some initiatives on how we want to work together, not only in Southeast Asia but the Pacific as well. And, and will
1: that be the first in-person meeting of the Quad leaders?
2: Uh, no, it'll be it'll be the so we will we've had uh, this will be our fourth meeting, mm-hmm. so uh, we've had two uh, virtual mm-hmm. uh, and this will be our second meeting and so so in a year and two months this will be the fourth meeting of the quad leaders so it'll be our second in-person meeting our first was in washington dc i think you can also expect um secretary blinken will lay out uh, our china policy in a speech um uh, uh, uh later uh mm-hmm. in in uh, uh in the spring um i think there are going to be some other bilateral engagements uh, at a high level so i think as you laid out the calendar is critical um i think uh we're pleased at uh, at, at our ability to sustain these high level engagements and you know i would just say uh evan i think you understand this the stakes are high
1: yeah the stakes clearly are high not just because of ukraine but because of china so kurt you were a charter member of the Obama pivot team, tell us how does this series of initiatives and Biden's Asia policy more broadly, um, is it just the pivot 2.0? How is it different? How should we be thinking yeah. about and evaluating uh, the Biden team's
2: Asia strategy? So, so I've reflected on that a lot, Evan, as you, as you probably have as well. I, I think there are some important differences. Obviously, the strategic circumstances have changed. I think it's clearer and clearer that, again, the, the dynamic uh, uh, center of global politics increasingly is gonna shift towards the Indo-Pacific, and I think there's a recognition mm-hmm. of that. I, I would say that the biggest challenge with um, the, uh, the rollout and the implementation of the rebalance or pivot 1.0 was there was a sense, certainly it was in a sense that, that, that we had designed but certainly was implied that the United States was, was somehow pivoting away from Europe mm-hmm. and that we were moving away from our most consequential partnerships in the transatlantic to new challenges and opportunities, the sort of the sunny, sunny uplands uh, of asia and um I, I i think what is different this time in particular is that because there is such a profi- a huge element of our uh indo-pacific strategy is actually deep engagements with partners in europe uh and in fact i would say um one of the it's not a surprise but one of the things i will tell you from my own um activities i spend almost as much time in deep strategic partnerships and dialogue with europe as i do uh in in asia that's that's how much the circumstances have changed when i worked on european dialogue with, with you you know 10 12 years ago the character has changed fundamentally much more trust Absolutely. much more confidence much more uh, sense of common purpose on technology on shared strategic perspectives and so Last time, I think it was perceived more about pivoting away, um, and I think there's now a sense of more working together in the Indo-Pacific, and I see that in every initiative that we worked on. I think, I think that's uh, a, a critical importance. I think there is also a much deeper sense this time around that, that resources will be critical and that it will not be just about diplomacy just about you know military developments it has to be a whole of government approach it has to involve infrastructure it has to be focused on a number of things that matter uh, vaccines y- you name it and so it has to be about a much deeper set of across the government initiatives that 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 signify and signal um a uh, a, a determination to have a deeper engagement in the Indo-Pacific. And I would say one of the the other things that has changed is, um, look, there's obviously huge challenges in American politics. But the degree of bipartisanship, probably one of the only areas where I see true bipartisanship is in the formulation and execution of uh, Asia strategy. And that is something that I hope we can build upon. Usually, bipartisan consensus, uh, Evan, Starts before the water shore and then extends abroad. I think what we're hoping maybe for this time is that that bipartisanship actually begins in the sort of the arena of the Indo Pacific and hopefully then can carry forward into some domestic pursuits as well.
1: Mm -hmm. So, Kurt, to bring us back to US ASEAN. Yeah. um, how should we be judging the success or the effectiveness of the U.S.-ASEAN summit? Your final point um, regarding Biden's Asia strategy was sort of a broader engagement—infrastructure, health, um, you know, th- these kinds of issues. Uh, those are clearly on the agenda for the U.S.-ASEAN summit. How do you how do you want outsiders to sort of judge the the effectiveness of the next two days?
2: So. Look, in many respects, and Evan, I think you understand uh, this almost better than anyone. Um, some of these uh, leaders have never been to the United States or have had very limited experience. Um, I, I think our uh, desire is to introduce uh, this leader, these leaders and their teams in a deeply respectful way uh, to the president and to the U.S. team. I think we are hoping um, probably first and foremost to put them at ease so that we can have some strategic discussions. Um, There is a tendency in ASEAN matters to have highly formalized presentations and the like, and I think we'd like, we understand some of that is necessary, but also have some true discussions on issues of, of, of common interest. I do think we will be judged by uh, our initiatives and and our ability to follow through. And I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but we will re- be rolling out a number of uh, initiatives. And and these, Evan, aren't just traditionally about you know uh, you know what military or security steps that were taken or even you know what deals that we will that will be signed. These go beyond that. One of the things that has clearly atrophied in the last several years, in, in the 1960s and 70s, and into the 80s even, there were substantial programs that linked the United States and Southeast Asia, educational and other programs. And many of those have, have, um, have either uh, uh, dried up or have moved on. And I think what we're trying to do in a number of things is going back to, you know, educational programs teaching english as a foreign language some leadership training here in the united states we'll be rolling a lot of those initiatives out so i, I think what we're trying to do is actually meet asean where the interests of their people coincide with our strategic interests as well mm-hmm. so we'll have more to say about you know how we can support health issues COVID is still raging in parts of southeast asia mm-hmm. um, we are concerned about uh, issues associated with, you know, disaster preparedness, maritime domain awareness. Um, I- investment in green energy uh, and other pursuits, I think, is going to be of critical importance. And so I think you're going to see a very broad range of initiatives that will be articulated that is, our, you know, our efforts to both continue some existing programs and to launch some new ones.
1: Mm-hmm. There's some strategists in Washington that say that the not so subtle um, context for this is an intensifying US-China competition. So um, in some sense, isn't this really all about China and sort of winning the hearts and minds of Southeast Asia uh, as the US-China economic, military, diplomatic competition intensifies, especially in in the wake of Ukraine so it, is this really all about China? And if so, how to, how is the Biden team, House President Biden going to talk about China with um, his ASEAN counterparts? Yeah.
2: Well, look, the president will be very direct. He will talk about our strategy. He'll talk about our desire uh, to compete, but compete peacefully and effectively. He does not want to descend uh, Southeast Asia or. Uh, Asia into uh, a new Cold War. I think we recognize quite clearly that any initiative that is simply designed uh, for uh, uh, competition is likely to have difficulty gaining altitude in Asia. It must be fundamentally based in uh, the needs uh, and uh, the desires of the people of Southeast uh, Asia. So look, we, we are not uh, naive. We understand the the, the nature of uh, competition through Southeast Asia. Um, I think our goal, uh, not just uh, the United States working alone, but increasingly working with partners, uh, Japan, uh, Australia, New Zealand, countries in um, uh, in Europe, is to demonstrate that you know we are trying to engage. Uh, following you know uh, transparent practices uh, uh, advance global practices of good governance engage appropriately um, with uh, you know financial institutions on a range of issues debt relief uh, you know health and uh, human services so I think the goal here Evan is to, uh, is to deal directly with those challenges and opportunities um, and recognize that, that those solutions and those practices really are the best way to compete.
1: And Kurt, you, you could have said a similar thing during the Obama administration. Um, do you think it's gonna work? In 2021, um, ASEAN became China's largest trading partner. The Chinese economy is big. Uh, It's growing amid current challenges, uh, and it's close by, Uh, so do we sort of have a shot in this competition?
2: Well, I mean, Evan, I I think you understand this. I mean, this is not scored like a ball game, and Mm -hmm. I I don't think it's going to come out in which, you know, you know, advantage here. So you
1: don't see it as zero sum, is that what you're saying?
2: I, I, I would say it, I wouldn't even describe it in, in game theory terms. I think what most countries in Southeast Asia want is a diversified engagement, you know, steady, stable relations with their big neighbor to the north, but also practical, important, um, uh, enduring ties with the United States but they're not content with that either. They want broader engagement with other countries. They see India playing a larger role. They want to work more with Europe. Europe is diversifying. I think the first phase of European engagement in Asia was primarily with China. We're seeing that diversified as well. I think these are all um, trends that uh, Southeast Asia supports. Um, I, I think more than anything else, Evan, I think the enduring challenge is not whether we can compete, but whether we can uh, assemble and c- construct and implement a sustained strategy in Southeast Asia. I think the critique that many would give of the United States and Southeast Asia is that our engagement is episodic at times, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and that in many important categories we've, uh, you know, our engagement has waned. Mm-hmm. And so I think what, what more than anything else, we have to send a signal that the United States will be a steady partner um, and that our strategic interests um, push us and point us into playing a larger role over time. And, I, you know, uh, you've worked with ASEANs and other uh, Asians. Um, some of that takes some convincing. And sure. some sure. of it is not just about what you say, but what you do and I think this month and what we're trying to do over the next couple of days is, is about doing.
1: Absolutely, and as you know, one of the biggest areas of doing that matters is trade and investment, the economic agenda. The administration has put forward or is in the process of putting forward the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, uh, but Kurt, as you know and as you've said publicly, um, there's a lot of rulemaking, there's not a lot of uh, market access. Um, How do you persuade ASEAN countries, uh, including ones that have uh, joined CPTPP, Mm -hmm. um, that America is in the game of economic engagement for the long term with uh, ASEAN or Southeast Asia, and uh, that IPEF is an important part of the picture?
2: Yeah. So, look, Evan, I I don't need to tell anyone here that that trade is politically challenging and contentious in the United States. With that as a, as a, a strategic reality, uh, we've uh, uh, constructed an approach which we think um, meets many of the critical challenges of trade, investment, and standard setting for the 21st century. So uh, IPEF, and you'll be hearing more about that in the coming weeks is really about focusing on critical areas uh that will be uh important in 21st century 21st century sure. economic exchange uh you know investment protocols issues associated with digital trade uh, uh clean energy uh, uh investment screening i could go down the list but many of these issues mm-hmm. are really are at the core of standard setting and you know uh, uh, leading-edge practices for how um, modern and contemporary economies uh, uh, can and should interact i would say that um, that there is substantial interest in participating in IPEF across southeast asia i think there are a lot of questions uh, uh, those questions are are, are I think uh, important I think they are uh, uh, critical that that we you know uh, engage partners with as many uh, answers as we can in terms of how we propose to proceed but we're quite confident that we're going to be able to have a substantial launch with a very broad range of potential players
1: and do you, do you expect some of the members of ASEAN to join
2: um,
1: yes. IPEF?
2: Yes, I don't want to get ahead, ahead of ourselves, sure. but, uh, but uh, very much so, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Great. Um, I want to remind all of our friends watching online that you can submit your questions online. And for those of you in the audience, um, come down from the rafters and uh, you know, fill out a note card uh, when we go into the Q&A period. So Kurt, we've talked about China, we've talked about IPEF. The other big uh, strategic issue out there is Ukraine. Uh, Many of the ASEAN states, uh, or I should say, many of the Southeast Asian states who are members of ASEAN uh, have been publicly neutral, uh, reflected in both their government statements and their votes in the UN um, on Ukraine. Uh, Indonesia is the chair of the G20 this year. Uh, they've already rejected the Western call to exclude Putin from the G20. I believe Putin has said he's going to come. So how do you talk about Ukraine? Do you talk about Ukraine with uh, the ASEAN leaders? And what does that conversation look like? Because they appear to have a very different viewpoint uh, from the United States.
2: Well, I've been in a lot of meetings now, um with the president. He is so deeply engaged in um, the developments, the day-to-day developments that are taking place uh, in uh, Europe. And so, yes, I fully expect that the president will explain our approach, what we think is playing out. I would expect uh, some of the ASEANs, I think there will be some listings, some questions. I do think we'll have a full exchange. And we acknowledge that there are differences of view and you know some of that is animated by some of these countries have traditional relations with Russia others are I, I think you know this is um th- this is uncertain uh, political territory uh they've got China deeply engaged uh in in ways and so I think Southeast Asians are, are seeking to tread carefully we do believe that, that there is a moral clarity here that is important. And I think we're not gonna shy away from it in our um, uh, interactions uh, with ASEAN. So we should days.
1: expect some um, private but very direct conversations about Ukraine.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't think that's the, the sole issue that's going to be direct. I, I believe we'll talk about cross-strait relations. I, I think we'll talk about Burma look I, I think elements of the conversation uh evan uh, uh, uh will be direct uh polite but maybe a little bit uncomfortable at times but i, I fully expect the ASEANs will raise some issues with us i think that's the beginning uh or at least the continuation of the kind of partnership we want mm-hmm. in which uh, real issues can be discussed in significant ways right
1: right sure so kurt You you just mentioned cross-strait relations in the Mm -hmm. context. Tell us, what does that U.S.-ASEAN conversation about cross-strait relations look like?
2: Look, I I think what we want to underscore more than anything else is that the United States wants to take steps to maintain peace and stability across uh, the Taiwan Straits. We are not seeking to take provocative actions. Uh, We want clarity um, about uh, the desire to... um, Uh, to uh, deter uh, steps that would be provocative. And uh, we believe it's critical uh, for other countries to both publicly and privately underscore that what has taken place in Ukraine must never happen uh, in Asia.
1: Mm -hmm. So Kurt, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you the sort of the issue of the day uh, on cross-strait issues is uh, whether or not the State Department in modifying the website to drop the phrase, do not support independence, to drop the phrase, "one China, suggests a sort of subtle, careful change in US policy. So maybe you could explain to us what's going on, clarify yeah. um, you know, if uh, we're sort of um, changing
2: policy. Yeah, look, uh, uh, Evan, thank you, and I can be very direct. Our policy has not changed and it remains consistent.
1: So is it accurate to say that the US does not support independence, is that?
2: That is accurate. That is a longstanding position of the United States.
1: And the one China policy?
2: Remains in play. Got it,
1: great. Um, So we've got a couple questions. Uh, So why don't I uh, turn to those, Kurt, since we have about 20 minutes left. Thank you. So as you can see on the screen, we've got a question about uh, democracy and human rights. Uh, Kurt, eight, eight of the ten ASEAN leaders are going to be there. Um, the leader of Myanmar will not. So the question, you know, I think that that um, is on the table today, is um, how are sensitive issues of human rights and democracy in Southeast Asia going to be addressed? But specifically, the situation with Myanmar.
2: Yeah. Look, um, I think it'd be fair to say there is. Uh, discussion in ASEAN about what's next. Um, Some of the, I think, pathbreaking initiatives that were put in place last year in terms of um, uh, creating a a pathway forward uh, for the junta to potentially follow to get back on the democratic track, outreach to uh, the political opposition, some of those, most of those have not uh, borne fruit they're now openly discussing what's appropriate in terms of next steps. I think everyone understands the enormous challenges, the tragedy of what's playing out there. I think our um, uh, 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 goal will be to seed further those conversations. Uh, we believe that ASEAN has a critical role to play, and we want to encourage greater diplomacy. We we cannot. Um, uh, forget what's playing out. We cannot neglect this. Um, but but it is not enough simply to say this is ASEAN's business. Um, we hope and expect ASEAN to take real initiatives in terms of how to engage uh, both the uh, current government and the opposition about um, the way forward in a tragic and incredibly difficult set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. So what is it that you would want either
1: individual Southeast Asian leaders or ASEAN uh, as an entity to
2: do? Look, uh, first of all, I I will just acknowledge that I think some of the things that were put in place last year under the leadership of Brunei and Indonesia were important. I think continuing through on some of those uh, matters, I think emissaries that carry specific messages, uh, seeking uh, assurances about a roadmap forward dealing uh, effectively with refugees, uh, engaging the opposition. There are a number of things that I think we uh, believe are important. The United States is going to continue its active role working with other partners. But we do want ASEAN to play a, a more deeply engaged uh, role in the critical diplomacy about next steps uh, in Burma. hmm
1: and it's my understanding, Kurt, that the foreign minister of the National Unity Government uh, is in Washington. Uh, is that somebody that will have an opportunity to play a role in the multilateral meetings? Will you or others from the administration meet the senior um, representatives of the National Unity Government?
2: I will just say uh, we will have we will uh, have engagement and continue to have engagement with um, uh, with uh, groups. Uh, uh, that are engaged in uh, seeking a return to democracy in Burma. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see, we've got another question from the audience here. Uh, Apart from ASEAN as a grouping, which individual Southeast Asian countries does the administration see uh, the most room for the improvement in ties? Where are the growth opportunities, Kurt? Well,
2: well, look, you you know, uh, first of all, I, I think what's critical here Uh, Evan, is that we are seeking to engage ASEAN as an institution more than anything else. I think we recognize, as you did um, through the vehicle of this special summit, that uh, multilateral diplomacy, much of what translates in a broader um, Asian context, is uh, uh, – implemented through magnified by influenced by uh, asean and so even though we've done a number of institutional innovations like the quad we've tried to underscore uh, at each juncture that asean is central to our conception of uh, a broader engagement in the indo-pacific and our desire will be to highlight the institution as a whole I think you, as you know, there's deeper economic commercial ties with a number of states, Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand. I think you see more and more engagement across the entirety uh, of ASEAN. More generally, uh, you have uh, strong and deep strategic ties with a country like Singapore. So I think there are opportunities across the region as a whole. And I think we're bullish on improving both bilateral relations with many of the countries. Uh, we just had a, you know an important election in the Philippines, time will tell, but our desire will be to get off to a good start. Yeah,
1: tell us, I mean, obviously, yeah. uh, under the former leadership in the Philippines, bilateral relations were challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you hoping to do in the future?
2: Well, look, you know, uh, uh, we, we are seeking early engagement with the uh, uh the newly elected uh marcos uh administration um uh i you know there are some historical uh considerations that probably uh make this at least initially uh, there will be some challenges in that communication but um, obviously philippines plays such a critical important role and we will seek to continue close partnership in the security realm in uh, increasing trade and economic ties. And so uh, our expectation is we'll uh, be able to continue to work closely. Relations uh, under uh, President Duterte really rebounded uh, towards the end, at least at the strategic level, and we want very much to continue that as we go forward.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great, we've got another question from the audience here. Um, Kurt, how will the summit draw attention to uh, climate and related geopolitical stresses facing the Mekong subregion, region um, and will any new U.S. government initiatives be rolled out?
2: Yeah, there will be some new initiatives. Um, one I was instructed were to wait until the sure, president rolls them out in the next couple of days. Yeah. I do just want to underscore. But maybe
1: just like a little appetizer?
2: Well, no, I, we, we, <laughs> look, so we, we have worked a lot on the Mekong initiative, we uh, acknowledge. Water security issues are incredibly important. Um, climate matters, um, you know, estuaries, a lot of uh, issues have been um, on the forefront of discussions at the Oceans Conference that was held in Palau. It's part of our ongoing set of conversations that Secretary Carrier, our climate advisor, has with his uh, partners. I think there's a de- desire, there will be a number of initiatives around energy that secretary care will play a role in trying to wean many of these countries off the use of of, of coal uh also taking steps to preserve forests so i think you're going to see a number of initiatives that will play out and we do believe that in many respects southeast asia is it's not the epicenter but it is one of the epicenters in terms of where climate affects are likely to have the most profound consequences, and so there's real urgency to address these matters in our consultations in the next two days. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you. Uh, Let's see, we have a, a question that came in online from Patrick Cronin, an old friend of both of ours. Patrick asks, what are among Southeast Asia's biggest misunderstandings about U.S. interests and policies toward the region?
2: Boy, that it's such a good question, and you know, it's so obvious the case that it's the other way around. I try to think of what American misconceptions are, and how we need to become more attuned to um, to uh, Southeast Asia. I I, I think um, I, I I think one of the most important uh, uh, issues is that is that you know domestic politics have changed a lot in the United States. And the U.S. that is engaging in Southeast Asia today is different than the United States that that engaged at the time of the Vietnam War or immediately thereafter. And so one of the reasons why it's important that some of these leaders are visiting is to get to understand the domestic context and contours of American policymaking. Um, I I think... uh, um,
1: And what are you thinking of in that? What is it you think that Southeast Asian leaders need to know about the US political system, the Congress?
2: I I think probably, Evan, even though there is bipartisanship on some issues in Asia, that many political issues are hotly contested, like trade. um, I -hmm. think it is also the case that um, it's important for them to understand the larger context, the debates on China policy. Mm-hmm. I think that's of critical importance. Um, I, I would say that for um, uh, many of these countries, uh, I, I think that uh, they, it's not that they have um, uh, you know, misapprehensions or uncertainties but they can be occasionally wary in our initial engagements, and I think we would like to do what we can to dispel some of that.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, Kurt, we've got another question that just came in online. Um, This is a bit farther afield than Southeast Asia, but goes to an issue near and dear to your heart, Mm -hmm. your recent trip uh, to the Pacific Islands. And ABC Australia is asking, are you concerned about reports that Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi would make a visit to the Solomon Islands in the next week, a few weeks? And what would a visit symbolize?
2: So look, you know, I think it is undeniable that uh, China uh, is um, uh, stepping its approach across the Pacific, uh, economically, politically, and likely strategically. Um, I think uh, uh, what the United States wants to do, working, in concert with other partners, is to indicate that, that uh, as long as countries are focused on the welfare of the Pacific people, taking steps to support, uh, you know, uh, appropriate infrastructure to preserve um, fishing stocks and scarce resources, I, I think we have to support that. But we want a degree of transparency in certain engagements, and we would have concerns by certain steps military steps that could potentially change uh, the nature of uh, the uh, strategic circumstances in the pacific so i would just simply say that we are in close consultation with all of our partners uh, japan south korea uh, australia new zealand and increasingly the eu about our desire to engage actively and for the united states to step up our own game in the pacific
1: Um, How do you explain to American audiences why the Pacific Islands matter strategically to the United States? They're far, they're small. I mean, you know, ASEAN collectively is hundreds of billions of dollars in trade. ASEAN makes sense. What's the case for the strategic importance of the Pacific? Why did you fly there?
2: Well, look, so, so these are places that have enormous... Uh, historical consequence some of the worst battles during the Second World War were fought, fought at Guadalcanal right um, Lady Gulf exactly um, I so uh, uh, look Evan I'm, I'm I'm not suggesting that that the and, and neither are you that these places uh, you know are of the significance of places in Southeast Asia and the like however you know, in some of the, these important island countries, uh, we have no diplomatic uh, engagement. We closed our embassies in the 1980s and 1990s. I, I, I think that, that uh, because of our relationship with Australia, with New Zealand, with others, that these are areas that we need to do better. But it is also the case that we have to meet, again, Pacific Islanders on the issues that matter to them, climate change. Illegal fishing, unexplored organs, legacies of war—you mm-hmm. cli- uh, know—issues associated with delivering vaccines. I, so I, I'm I'm really suggesting Evan modest steps, but I think those modest steps in a small place can be quite significant. And we do have strategic interests in the Pacific. And even though the Pacific is vast, um, we we want to ensure that that uh, that countries. Uh, take uh, uh, careful steps, particularly in the national security arena, understanding the delicate balance in the Pacific.
1: Sure. That makes good sense. Kurt, we have another question that came in about, it's basically about the future of U.S.-ASEAN cooperation. Let me put a little spin on it. Um, The East Asia Summit is going to be hosted in Cambodia later this year. Uh, So we have about five, six months between the May U.S.-ASEAN Summit in Washington, and the East Asia Summit, which hopefully President Biden will attend uh, in Cambodia. W- what do you hope to accomplish between the two events? What are the prospects for cooperation between the U.S. and ASEAN?
2: Well, look, you know, Evan, it's, you know, I, I think you understand this, and you've been in this situation. So my biggest goal is to get successfully next through the next two days, <laughs> just to <laughs> just to have a good sure. just to have a good summit, and then and then build from there. And so. I do think um, uh, the the calendar of ASEAN drives initiatives, and so what we will likely roll out in the next uh, few days is a number of initiatives that um, will, sugni- will suggest uh, both our strategic purpose, a step-up in resources modest, and then a number of areas of follow-through and follow-up. So Evan, I, I would simply suggest one of the most important things that we just need to do is this is not about sort of announcing initiatives. Sure. It's about getting busy in the region and following through, and that's what we intend to do.
1: So is, would it be fair to say that you're trying to build momentum in a variety of different directions?
2: Yeah, and I would say sustain momentum. I, mm-hmm. Look, I, what I have seen probably in this area more than any place else is that what we end up doing as you look deeper is building on the you know preceding administration's initiatives. so almost everything that we've looked at you can find the seeds of previous initiatives and you you know where you can you nurture those and where you know you need to diversify you build new ones but but i think we're seeing frankly again a lot of areas of bipartisanship there are things that went on in the Trump administration that we would like to build on lots of stuff in Obama that you uh, built with your own two hands and then previously before that uh, the the um, the, uh, the Bush administration. And So I think what we're seeking to do is to both sustain and step up.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. So we've got a, a question that came in from uh, David Brunstrom from Reuters about Hong Kong. Uh, it's a bit specific, it's a bit yeah. off topic about the situation, can you comment on the situation in Hong Kong, Kurt?
2: So I, look, all I can tell you is that I think we're increasingly troubled by um, steps uh, in Hong Kong to, um, to uh, uh, pressure and uh, eliminate civil society and concerned by the, the, uh, uh, those that speak out, both in the media, uh, in religious circles and academia and just overall concerned by the uh, you know, the clampdown in, in, in Hong Kong. And we continue to have uh, dialogue and conversations with interested parties, including Great Britain and others about um, the status of Hong Kong.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another um, area of Chinese activity, as you know, is CPTPP. And we've got a question about China's application uh, to join CPTPP. And the question is, is you know, how does the U.S. look at this?
2: So I would just say, uh, Evan, you know, ironically, the United States helped design this. Uh, I remember this package, that. I, I yeah. Know. And so, <laughs> look, I think, I, 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 uh, you know, as the United States is not a member, it's really not up to us. Um, we would note that 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 um, CTP, CPTPP is meant to set standards in the region of transparency of. Of uh, investment protocols, of uh, a, a number of issues. Um, at the time, it was cutting edge, and the hope was that it would set a, a new bar for how trade would be cut, conducted uh, in uh, the Asia Pacific, now the Indo Pacific. Um, you know, that, that criteria is still quite intense, and it will not be easy for any country to join. Right. So, is your point that you think that? China should be held to the same standards as everybody yeah. else. Look, I just think I think what's happened is in most discussions about trade and institutions, there, there I think is a, a recognition that there can't be a set of rules that are you know different for China. They need to come up to the standards that are set uh, for uh, uh, engagement mm-hmm. in uh, financial or trade institutions.
1: Sure. Now, in the CPTPP context, just to run this thread out a minute, Kurt, um, a country that often comes up is South Korea. You're gonna be traveling to Seoul, meet the new yeah. president of South Korea. Um, you know, Is that something that the United States would support? Is that something we talk about with South Korea, them joining CPTPP? How do you think about that issue?
2: You know, uh you know, Evan, it's a it's a complex thing. It, it's uh, it's not easy for the United States to articulate for another country to join something that we're not sure. able to join. And so, I, I, you yeah. know, <laughs> so I I I think we will talk generally about trade. We will talk about um, IPEF. There's the there's the the the, the silky sweet. Uh, uh, yeah abbreviation again yeah um and i believe that 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 one of the things that is increasingly clear to at least our leadership in the united states is that that when you talk about what are topics that countries will raise with us yeah uh, economic and commercial issues are on the table and we have to have good answers for that so i believe that south korea will want to talk to us about trade they're going to want to talk to us about investing in the united states they're looking more and more at technology investments here and so i think these conversations are essential they're important they're critical for us to lay out what some of our political constraints are but also what are our ambitions for how we want to continue a strong engagement around standard setting technology uh uh, you know innovative commercial ties between us and the region
1: absolutely uh kurt we've got another question from um the online audience about the dprk um, and it says, quote, what calibrated practical measures would the U.S. in cooperation with ASEAN nations take to counter their their North Korea's activities? So North Korea in the context of U.S. Yeah. ASEAN. All
2: I can tell you is that you know we have tried on numerous occasions to reach out uh, to North Korean interlocutors uh, to establish dialogue. Um, we've also sent clear messages of uh, steps that we view as provocative and an- antithetical to the maintenance of peace and stability recently we've seen a number of steps military steps and tests that we view as provocative uh, i i will also just note that we have a a, a new partner a new president in south korea that is determined working with the united states to be very clearly engaged in deterring and sending a strong message of of partnership between Seoul and Washington. And on that basis, I think we're prepared for any kind of diplomacy or engagement with North Mm -hmm. Korea.
1: Well, between the DPRK and CPTPP, not only will there be lots of acronyms for the US and South Korea to discuss, but some pretty hot issues. Uh, Kurt, you've been very generous with your time.
2: Thank you, Evan.
1: Um, Everybody, today we've had the good pleasure of meeting Kurt Campbell, policymaker, strategist, entrepreneur, Please join me in thanking him.
0: Thank you for listening to this event. If you'd like to listen to more events or explore our other podcasts, visit usip.org forward slash podcasts.